hello. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Astrology Did Not Change My Life. I'm Still That Bitch, hosted by, again, Plutonian Aquarius, as always. And so, before I even start, there's a windstorm going on. Um, and you may be able to hear my house rattling a little bit. So again, I apologize in advance for that, but, um, it adds to the ambiance, I suppose. Especially since, like, my brand is being a little bit chaotic, so why not? Chaotic and rolling with the punches. So, yeah, sorry about that, but, qu'est-ce qu'on peut faire? What can you do? And I really don't have a studio to record in, so I have to do it in my house. So if you guys thought that I was recording in a fancy schmancy studio, thank you for thinking that. I really, really appreciate it from the very bottom of my heart. That's amazing. But I don't think my sound <laughs> sounds that professional. But if it does, also thank you again for thinking that. I'll take it. I'm not going to tell you where in my house I actually record because it's kind of sad. But you can guess if you want. And also, again, because I'm so bad at self-promotion, if you guys like my podcast, which I would assume you guys do because I see so many listens every week a new episode comes out, please show my Instagram page some love. It's Plutonian Aquarius. And I have not been verified yet. I should probably get that sorted so I look a little bit more legitimate. And also before people try and steal the page. Because that'll eventually happen. Thanks, Instagram. But please show my page some love. And show me some support as well. I'd really appreciate that. And I also would like you guys to start following my Instagram page. Because I'll probably start posting a lot more updates. Because I think I might move into something a little bit different in the new year. And that is opening up readings. So yes, I actually do astrology birth chart readings. But so far it's just been limited to just my friends and my family. I haven't really, I've only done a couple to the general public, but that's just because I haven't really tried to promote it, create that brand for myself. Brand. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like the sound of that. <laughs> brand. But long story short, I just haven't promoted myself enough for people to really know. And I've also found that a lot of people don't want a birth chart reading from somebody they barely know. So obviously it makes sense for me to start these podcasts so that I can build a sense of Wow, what's the word that I'm looking for? I just blanked. I can build a reputation where you can trust me, that you can trust my content and that I'm not just trying to take your money. Like a lot of people in the wellness and spiritual community do try and do and give everybody else that wants to do a good job and have pure intentions a bad name, unfortunately. And that's like that in every field, unfortunately. Qu'est-ce qu'on peut faire? I'm bringing out my French today, in case y'all haven't noticed. But I will be opening up astrology readings. But the reason why 
I'm going to make it a little bit more official is because I can only do one reading per month. No more than that. And I think I'm, I already do have like a wait list. So what that essentially means is that you can actually purchase a birth chart reading for somebody else as well. And you can just keep it as well, like like a gift card voucher where I can later do their readings whenever they, whenever is, I guess, appropriate or feasible for the individual that you bought that reading for. They can approach me on Instagram and they can give me the gift card voucher and that's it. But no more than one reading um, a month. And so unfortunately, I will have to charge a bit. I haven't figured out the final prices, but because I, again, I can't, I don't have that much time on my hands. I have a whole last career on the side and I will continue doing podcasts as well. This is, this is my outlet. I enjoy doing it, but readings take a lot of time. And again, I also take a lot of time with readings as well because I want to give you the best advice and I want to give you the best clear picture when I'm actually looking through your birth chart because at the end of the day you have to think of yourself as a main character really yeah main character energy and all the aspects and all of your house placements house placements sorry I'm saying words kind of weird these days they all combine together to make up you and it's essentially kind of a story and I want to be able to create this story for you where I'm kind of just a viewer, an objective viewer, and I'm presenting you as a character. And so you can look at your individual aspects by yourself. And that's what I've done for many, many years. But to be able to connect all of those aspects to together to create a picture, that's the job of an astrologer. And because I just didn't feel comfortable, for lack of a better word, not that I didn't trust my skills, I just didn't feel comfortable opening up this knowledge to a lot of people just because, again, at the end of the day, the knowledge that people have with astrology can just be limited to just their sun sign. And so... If I want to be spending all of this time and effort to do a reading for somebody, I want to make sure that they know what they're getting into. And I write about six to seven pages. Maybe seven pages is, is going to be my maximum. Mm, yeah, it's just going to be seven. I'm not going to push it to eight. And then it just gets overwhelming. So I go through all of your personal plans to the outer placements and where they're positioned in the houses, I go into your north node, combine it all together to create a picture of you. So that's why I want to be able to do this at a nice pace where it doesn't feel like I'm forced and forcing myself or rushing through things. I, don't, I like to let it flow, for lack of a better word. And that's also how my podcasts go. I like to make things flow. I can have a general outline of what I'm going to talk about, but... I don't like to restrict myself. So that's why I take over a month. Oh no, oh my gosh, not over a month. I take a month to do the readings. 
And I want to put that out there too, because I feel like a lot of people have asked me, is it because you're young? And I am young. I'm in my early 20s. And I think a lot of people forget that I've been studying astrology for 14 years. So while I am, yes, young, but I'm not new to the field of astrology. And so tune in for the new year, really. And you can find all those details on my Instagram page. So that's why I would appreciate it if you guys followed Plutonian Aquarius on Instagram. And I'll be posting more updates. Right now, my Instagram page is just me posting updates about the weekly podcast episodes that I have. And I have little cute little videos that go along with each episode that I made myself. Thank you very much. This creative energy doesn't just stop at the podcast. Heck no. Yeah, this is just a one-woman show. I want to put that out there as well. So you guys can be impressed by the prowess of my creative energy. But that's also because I've always had an art background. But I just, I changed my art medium to podcasting. But there are some things that I use occasionally to help me. Otherwise, I'd probably have to get assistance. But I'm fortunate enough to not need that assistance. Anyway, so that was my long spiel. Please try and follow me on Instagram. I really, really appreciate it. And on to today's content. So again, I know I say this for almost every episode, but I am super duper, super duper excited for today's episode. We're moving on to more of the collective planets. Not that Saturn and Jupiter weren't, but they can still be felt on a little bit of a personal level. But now as we get to Uranus, Uranus, ha, you knew I was going to make that joke. You knew it. It was in the trailer. If you guys did listen to the trailer, Neptune and Pluto, these big guys, gender neutral, by the way, they affect people on a very collective manner. And what the hell does that even mean? So unlike our personal planets that, well, are geared towards your personality, these planets affect a generation. And these planets, like, because each planet can be around one sign from, like, 7 to 10, maybe 15 years, that's, that's where you get the idea that these are generational planets. They affect a generation. And when they pass through different signs... This is what's really cool about it, is that it brings in the energy that the sign that it's in, like Uranus and Aries, for example. So the last time Uranus and Uranus was in the sign of Aries before our present day world, it was actually in the early 1920s. And that was when we had the like the roaring 20s. That was when we had a huge change in culture. And the way that we dressed, the way that we went out, women were trailblazers at that time. And if you know anything about my podcast, I love calling Aryans trailblazers. And that's because they don't care what you think of them. They will do things because it feels right. They're go-getters. They don't care about social nuances and what's acceptable. They're always the first ones to try something new. Don't get me wrong, they do care about some things, 
but they're really good at putting themselves first. So this is when we had the flappers. We saw a huge change in the way that we viewed movies. And then also later on, um, Uranus in Aries was around 2010. And that was when we started seeing like the rise in the selfie culture and influencer culture. So you can see that that's the reason why these are known as collective planets, because they coincidentally also seem to line up with major shifts in the way that we view the world. And again, I want to mainly say this towards like a Western perspective, because at the end of the day, I exist on the Western side of the world. So it may not always be reflective of what's going on on the other side of the world. It's very possible to see it. But just for the purposes of my podcast, I will say that I am limited. I'm limited to just a Western perspective, which is sad because I also have a South Asian background. But also when you start to get around like looking at a lot of worldview things, it does get a little bit complicated. But luckily, because now as we're moving on to a more globalized model, where all of the world is really, really connected, thanks to media, you're, you're going to see that whenever Uranus is in a specific sign, the energies of that sign kind of come out into the world. And that's what I mean by collective energy. The entire world feels the energy of that sign. But before we even get into all of that, what the hell does Uranus even represent in your chart? And so Uranus is actually known as the great maverick, the great trickster, the cosmic alarm clock. Because Uranus is known for bringing in like lightning fast, unforeseeable change, which is out of the blue that kind of just shocks you, shocks the entire world, kind of to its core, where whatever you knew doesn't add up anymore. Because Uranus wants us to evolve, always has. Evolve as a species, evolve as an individual. And so you can see that the reason why it's a cosmic alarm clock is because we need to wake up to certain things in the world because that's the only way that we'll be able to create change. It's a little bit different than like Saturn that we talked about in last week's episode. Because Saturn is about structure and limitations and working hard and kind of following through a tradition sometimes. And while that's great and sometimes absolutely necessary, we can continue dredging on, not knowing why it is that we're doing something. But Uranus wants us to move past that. And again, like I did with all the other episodes, we're going to talk about the planet to try and understand what this energy even means. So Uranus, Uranus, as you can tell, like nobody can ever take the damn planet seriously, ever. And it's actually pretty sad, but it's kind of reflective because Uranus doesn't give a shit that we're fighting over how to pronounce the goddamn name still continues to exist. It takes 84 years for Uranus to travel around the sun. 
It stays in each sign for around seven years. So again, that's why it affects a generation more so than you on your personal level. And it's actually really interesting because Uranus, you know how on Earth, I'm going to bring in my astronomy knowledge, brace yourselves. So we have a North and South Pole. And so the axes that the Earth turns so that we have night and day, it's vertical. But Uranus's axis is actually horizontal. So it's North and South Pole are actually left and right of the planet. And why does Uranus do that? Because it can. And so that is actually an ode to how Uranus is the great maverick. He doesn't give a crap. He continues doing what he wants to do. Because he can. And so that's why wherever Uranus is in your chart, it's where you're different. And at the end of the day, you can think that, oh, I follow everybody. I follow the sheep. I follow the herd. But we all have Uranus in, in our charts. And so the energies of Uranus are more felt wherever your house placement is. For some of us, it can be in the second house. For some of us, it's in the seventh house. So wherever it's placed is where you're kind of a different person. You march to the beat of your own drum. We all have the ability to do that. But it's a lot more than just well, being different. And so Uranus was also actually discovered like in the 1700s and it lined up with the British and the French Revolution in, in actually the US, the American Revolution. It lined up around that time. And it kind of just like came as a big surprise, which again is a reflection of Uranus's energy. Everything is always just a big surprise that kind of shakes you to your core. And it's like lightning fast. You have no way to prepare for it. But you are not the same person after. Before I continue, though, I did want to mention that the research, ugh, the research, sorry, the research that I use for the content of my podcast is usually from Jessica Davidson. And she is actually an online resource and she's got amazing content on going into the nuances and actually the origins and the myths of a lot of the planets and also a lot of the signs. And knowing the mythos and the origins really, really help to give you a deeper understanding of why we view certain planets, certain energies a certain way. Because that's honestly what you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to get to the root of it to truly understand the deeper message. But also, who has time for that? Except for, you know, people that actually truly, really, really love astrology. And that's okay. That's why you're here. Because I want to be able to take that information and be able to present it to you in a way that you can use in your everyday life as well. And also, is it just for individuals or listeners who want to actually learn more? And so Astrology of Fate is a great resource. It's by Liz Green. Liz Green is a phenomenal astrologer. And she's also one of the resources I used growing up as well to help me, to help give me a lot more insight into my birth chart. So if you're looking for more resources to learn more, anything by Liz Green. But in terms of the mythos and the origins, Astrology of Fate is 
and beautifully written. And so, like I did for all of the other episodes, we're going to get into the origins. And so, if you remember from my Saturn episode, Saturn came from Kronos, and Kronos' father was Uranus. Uranus was his father, and Gaia was his mother. And Gaia is known as Mother Earth. So Uranus had his creations, which were the Titans at Kronos, and a whole bunch of other things, like the Cyclopses. And he found them horrifying. And so he decided to hide them away so that they could never see the light of day. Uranus is actually the higher octave of Mercury. Octave, huh? What does that mean? I'll tell ya. As I'm sure you know, I will tell you. So Mercury, if you remember, is your mental landscape. It's your personal mind. You work from a personal level and you use your intellectual capacities on a way to help you. Again, on a personal level. Uranus is known as the universal mind. So with Uranus, you're tapped into this universal mental power that connects us all. And so that's where the idea of Uranus being a collective planet comes from. You feel the energies of Uranus as a collective, as a generation. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that every time Uranus goes into a different sign, it brings in that shocking energy of those signs. It brings in the shocking energy of Aries, the shocking energy of Gemini into your generation. So you're tapped in to the mental power of that sign. But the problem with that <laughs> is that it doesn't translate out into the real world where we exist. And when I say real world, I mean the three-dimensional world we live in. And a lot of esoteric spiritual concepts say that this collective consciousness that unites us all is a higher dimension beyond our understanding. Like it's a fourth dimension, fifth dimension. A lot of them call them like the 5D. But unfortunately, we live in the third dimension or the 3D. So that's what actually happened with Uranus, where he had all of these beautiful creations in his head. But when they came out and translated into the 3D, they weren't up to his expectations. The ideas that he had in his mind weren't necessarily, well, actually realistic or feasible for the 3D. Because at the end of the day, we have limitations to our world. And that's why you can't ever let go of Saturn. Because Saturn reminds you that you have your limitations and you have to, you have to create within those constraints of our limitations. We're not saying that you can't achieve greatness or you can't you can't try and create or aspire for that idealism but you have to realize that there's only so much you can do because if we could create everything from the 5d well then we wouldn't be existing in the 3d we would have evolved so much so much as a human species when in reality that would just make us gods and last I checked, we're not. We're human. And there's only so much we can understand. We can try and inspire. 
but sometimes it's hard. And so that's just one story when it comes to Uranus. And a lot of astrologers actually prefer to use a different story to describe the energy of Uranus. I mean, Uranus. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I said it both correctly, but I got confused. God damn. I was in my head. But the story of Prometheus actually kind of brings a lot more deeper insight into that energy of Uranus and why Uranus wants to strive for perfection. Because again, at the end of the day, Uranian energy is such a beautiful idealistic energy where we strive to be better. But sometimes it's hard to do that unless we're reminded of our limitations. As weird and like well, kind of sad as that sounds. And so Prometheus, he was, he's part of the Greek gods and the Greek uh, mythological stories. Prometheus created mankind using clay. And it's funny because Prometheus actually means foresight, looking into the future. And that's a lot of what Uranian energy is. You're so tapped into the future that the present world can sometimes seem, well, bland and boring. And it can be frustrating to t sometimes see that we're not aspiring to reach up to our potential. But Prometheus believed that humanity and mankind, gender neutral, by the way. I know I, know I said mankind. Had so much potential to be great, similar to the gods. And he fought with Zeus. Actually, because Zeus was like, wait, 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 no, 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 no. We can't let them know the secrets of our world and the secrets of our powers. We don't need more gods. And it's actually very similar to the stories that we were following with Saturn as well. Kronos wanted to live in his power. And then Zeus eventually took over. And now Zeus was feeling threatened also by humanity and mankind. And he didn't want to let go of the power that he held as well. He didn't want, well, humanity to know about the secrets of the universe. But Prometheus believed that we had the ability to be divine, just like any of the, any of the other gods. He taught humans, well, the arts, of, the arts of mathematics, of farming, or like agriculture, and simply just how to be a civilization how to exist as a society. But Zeus found out and was super pissed. He was like, hey, what, what did I tell you about that? And Prometheus was like, huh, suck it. Nah, I'm going to do what I want. And it's true, he did. Also very Uranian energy, by the way. And I can say that because Uranus is a very dominant planet in my chart. And I am guilty of that. Uh-huh, mm-hmm. A lot of the times we don't even bother asking for people's opinion. We don't actually. We just continue doing what we want. And that's not good sometimes. But Prometheus came from a place of pure intentions. So he fought with Zeus. And Zeus was like, okay, well, 
how are your humans going to survive without fire if they can't even cook their food? And so he didn't actually allow Prometheus to give them, to give us the gift of fire. Prometheus kind of just tricked him and stole fire and brought it back to humanity so that they could use it. And that's that spark of consciousness that we had is actually what the story says. And that's an interesting concept that I, I want to bring in. Because, yes, the fire was used to help us cook. But once we got access to fire, right? And I'm sure this is something that we've, like, learned about. That, like, human, human kind of, human, humans evolved after we learned about fire. We were able to protect ourselves. We were able to be warm. We were actually able to have food with more nutritional value because we were cooking it. That's when we evolved. And that's what that spark of consciousness means. We had access to this new knowledge that helped us grow and become better. And that's what Uranus wants us to do as a collective. And so there's powers and gifts with each generation. And depending on what their sign is, that is kind of how they go about changing the world and creating these gifts that they can pass along to the next generation. And that's what's so fascinating about collective planets. They serve a purpose to improve society. But a lot of it is how you feel Uranus on a personal level, once you feel Uranus, then you're able to go about into the world and be able to pass it on and to showcase to the world your ability to be different. And so going back to that whole spark of consciousness, we always have to continuously strive to evolve. And that's what Uranus wants us to do. So whenever we have these like big lightning flashing changes, moment of truth and clarity, yes, it creates disruption, but we learn something completely different that we have to push towards changing the world. But unfortunately, Prometheus had to pay the price of giving man, of mankind, I'm going to stop saying that, humanity, the gift of fire. And so unfortunately, because... Again, at the end of the day, Prometheus stole it from Zeus. So Prometheus, poor old Prometheus, had to be chained. And oh, essentially every day, his liver got like ripped out of his body and it grew back and it, sh- it was just a continuous eternal punishment. And the only way that Prometheus would be free was if he decided to wear these specific rings to signify humility to Zeus, the god of the gods. And that's where the idea of limitation with Uranian energy comes in. So while you can have all of these great big ideas, sometimes it's not always possible if your world that you exist in doesn't allow it. So yes, you can strive for change. You can strive to create a revolution. But without any sort sort of structure, 
it's just pure chaos and madness. And that's the negativity of Uranian energy, is where now you're just a rebel without a cause. And one of the last parts of this story is that another way that Zeus decided to, well, punish humanity is by releasing all of the things that plague us and limit us, actually, as humans. Like old age, labor, vices like lust, greed, passion. And, well, limitations in our thinking as well. Because at the end of the day, we have a finite lifespan to us. We're not gods. We're not immortal. We will die eventually. So we can't go around doing the same things that the gods do. And so, in a way, we aren't always tapped into the divine consciousness that, say, divine figures like the gods have. And that's okay, because, and this is, like, I understand that a lot of these concepts can now sound weird. But unfortunately, that's the energies of these collective planets. And a lot of the stories, while they are fascinating, sometimes it can be hard to wrap your head around them. And that's the whole point, is that a lot of us can strive to reach enlightenment and be connected to that divine universal mind that Uranus represents but it takes away from living in the present moment and living in the 3D and being a human and again that's one of the other negative sides of Uranus is that because we're so tapped into the future of what we could be of what the potential that Prometheus saw in us to be as a species we forget that we're not in that moment right now we are 10 years behind where your mind is currently. And again, that is one of the negative sides of Uranian energy is that we become so focused on what we can be that we forget what we should be doing to reach that point. And sometimes the ideas that we have in our head don't always translate out into, the, again, the 3D, the real world. And another great example that I can think of is like Frankenstein's creation. He wanted to become God by creating life, but it ended up being something completely different than what he thought. That he actually ended up rejecting the poor monster. <laughs> but the monster came back and fought him as he should. Don't abandon your child like that, jeez. But... That it is also a reflection of the story of Uranus. And so again, we have to be realistic. We have to understand our limitations. And if we tap into this divine consciousness and we try and become it, well, we become God. And so you can end up, with ha you can end up having a God complex. And at the end of the day, we're not universe we're not the forces of the universe yes we're all connected but we're not here to play god we're here to exist and experience all of the beauties of being human and yes that includes experiencing all of the obnoxious negative petty emotions that we have making mistakes 
because we don't know any better. And we learn from our mistakes. There's so much beauty and joy in that, to know that you're alive in this moment. And unfortunately, sometimes that's where that impersonal cold energy of Uranus comes in. And Uranus rules over Aquarius. And Aquarians, they're notorious for being labeled as aloof and cold and impersonal. And that's where that comes from because they're so tapped into whatever is going on in their mind. And again, I'm guilty of that too. That trying to exist in the real world, it just is boring. And because our minds are so attuned into the future, we just don't understand how people aren't leaping forward and just fast-tracking their growth and development. Oh my God, why are we still fighting over the same guy that broke her heart five times? Why? But <laughs> the thing is, is that we have to understand that not everybody isn't, is in that same journey. And so you individuals who have strong Uranian energy in their chart, and what that means is that it's aspecting a lot of your personal planets. It's in a lot of angular houses, and I will get into that in other episodes. They feel this energy of Uranus a lot more strongly and identify with that energy a lot more. But, and that can also apply if you're a very Aquarius dominant individual as well, like a lot of your plant, like personal planets are in, in the sign of Aquarius, which is the case for me, is that you have to be able to come down back onto the earth. It's very, very commendable and noble, the idealism that Uranian individuals have and the whole energy of Uranus. But if you're trying to look for utopia, that's when you end up with dystopia. And that's the other side of Uranus. While it's all about evolution and improving our idea of our consciousness, reaching that enlightenment, you have to be able to apply it on a personal level. Otherwise, well, you just become foreign and abstract and not relatable at all. And at the end of the day, nobody wants to really tap into that. And that can create a sense of, well, isolation. And my Uranus is in the third house. So I've always been a forward thinker because the third house is a planet of communication, of thinking, of learning. I have always been labeled as gifted very early on. And I could have let it get to me, but it's funny because I was, oh, it didn't actually happen. Because if you guys remember, I was raised by a very Saturn-influenced individual. He's a very stereotypical Capricorn. He was like, I don't give a crap that you're gifted. You have to put in that hard work and effort and use that intelligence to actually create something for yourself in this world. All of that potential is useless if it doesn't translate and try and make the world a better place. And that's what Uranian individuals should strive for. You have this ability to be a forward thinker depending on wherever Uranus is in your chart. If it's in your seventh house, you have a different perspective when it comes to relationships. 
If you have it in the eighth house, you have a different perspective of what it means to be intimate, to to like go deep and reach into the innermost parts of yourself that the world can be afraid to see, the darker parts especially. Tenth house, you have a different idea when it comes to careers, of making a name for yourself in the world. But all of that can be meaningless if it doesn't actually go out and help people. And with the original story of Prometheus, all he wanted to do was help humanity. Even if it meant that he would have to be tortured for all of eternity. And so that's why Uranian individuals can seem so cold and aloof because they're so focused on the collective. And that's what Uranus is. It's not, it, the reason it's the higher octave of Mercury is that it wants to be able to work on a broad scale. It doesn't do well with one-on-one interactions. But in order to actually make use of all of that beautiful, beautiful energy that Uranus provides, it has to come down into the 3D. So again, a lot of the times my head was up in the clouds. And school was a breeze for me. And like, it genuinely was. I could understand things really quickly. But you run the risk of becoming lazy. And so sometimes labels like that are actually, they're actually kind of unhelpful. And my dad knew that early on. And so he saw the potential that I had to be able to learn things very quickly and almost intuitively. I don't understand why I understand things sometimes. I don't even understand how I got so quickly deep into astrology. When I do readings, it just, it flows. I, like, it's just, I have lightning flashing. It's a stereotype. I hate that. It's a stereotype. I have lightning flashes of aha moments. I can be mid-conversation with somebody and it all just, it hits me in the face. And then I just go silent and I'm back into like my deep consciousness. The universal mind. But I have to be able to bring, da- bring that down and be able to verbalize everything that goes on into my head so that the people around me can understand. Otherwise, I just look like a dick because I just left the conversation. And that's not nice. And also, what is the point of being able to learn so much if we can't teach it to other people? What is the point of having all of this beautiful knowledge if we can't use it to make the world a better place. Because at the end of the day, Uranus does not want us to use anything for personal gain. That's when he comes in and knocks you right off your feet. But not in like a Saturn way. Saturn just tears everything down from underneath your feet. Uranus shocks you to your soul. Because lightning. Because um, also, I forgot to mention, Uranus was like a sky god. Um, and so lightning was his thing. And so traditionally the mad eccentric scientist was associated with Uranus. But Uranus energy, because it's such a forward thinker, represents innovation, striving for scientific 
breakthroughs. Trying to make the world a better place. And so a lot of the scientists that have given back to the world through years of rigorous research, just being in their heads, you know that they have Uranian energy. And the best one that I can think of, and I'm really proud of it, because I'm Canadian and also healthcare, <laughs> was a Canadian scientist actually created insulin for type 1 diabetics that need insulin to survive. Without insulin, they would die in a couple of days if they were lucky. But because their body isn't able to produce insulin, which is what you need in order to actually get energy out of the food that you're eating, he decided to actually sell it for a dollar because he wanted the world to be able to use it. Because at the end of the day, insulin, you need it to survive. It's a basic human right. He didn't want anybody to profit off of it because he knew that there were, there were going to be people that wouldn't be able to afford it if people were trying to profit off of it. And they were going to die. It is a life-saving drug. And everybody deserves to have the chance to live. And so that's the positive manifestation of Uranian energy. It's to take all of that knowledge that you have and try and make the world a better place. And it just, it just doesn't even have to be with like actions, like with inventions. For me, for example, because of my third house influence, I'm a forward thinker. I have always thought outside of the box to the point that it's just, it's obnoxious that I do that, where somebody will say something and my first reaction and instinct is to go the opposite direction. But you have to understand that you have to find a balance. So while you can be a forward thinker and you can also be an out-of-box individual, out-of-box, yeah, out-of-box individual, we're going to go with that, unconventional person who marches to the beat of their own drum, you have to realize that you have your own limitations. So, yes, I'm an out-of-box thinker, but I can't play devil's advocate for things that you cannot really play a devil's advocate for. Like, how the hell am I supposed to justify genocide? Or, like, child abuse? You don't. Why would I, why would I play a devil's advocate for that? Not to mention that at the end of the day, yes, I learned things really quickly. I still had to be able to pass my classes. I still had to be able to graduate. I still had to be able to get into university because I like learning. Otherwise, what's the point? Yes, I could have found my different avenues of learning. But if the world can't get a taste of your intelligence, then what's the point? Say you also have Uranus in your seventh house. Yeah, you have a different take on relationships where you probably believe that you don't necessarily have one person that you can love for the rest of your life. And you have a very different take on love and that maybe you have multiple different soulmates or that you can love more than one person at the same time because they tap into different parts of you. Now, you want to be able to do that in a responsible manner. Again, Saturn and Uranus have to work together. And if you don't do that, well, then you're just going to be a dick that cheats on everybody. That's what you're going to be known as versus somebody who actually is a responsible polyamorous individual. Right? You have to be able 
to understand that how your actions can affect others. So sometimes you have to come down onto earth, even if your mind is a much more beautiful place. Unfortunately, we exist in the 3D and you might be surprised. There's a lot that humans can offer you. <laughs> it's funny how I say it that way. It's, it's because a lot of the times Uranian individuals and Aquarians were actually, they were associated with aliens because they're, they weren't always present with you. Because again, their mind is so much more interesting than the person sitting right beside them. But again, you might be surprised. And at the end of the day, the world deserves to know about these different perspectives that you have, these different ways of thinking, these different ways of being. Because at the end of the day, the first person to say, hey, this isn't working, is the one that ignites that spark and kind of shakes the world into trying to move forward for change. And every time Uranus was present in a different sign, it was a change for, well, the way that we view the world. And that's, it's always been a fascinating thing to think about. And so a lot of the times, if you, if you follow a lot of like, I find that now pop astrology is going along these directions. And I actually appreciate it because it kind of gives people a sense of comfort into knowing that, well, maybe the stuff that is happening isn't merely coincidental. And maybe for some people that works, but for some of us, we like knowing that there's a reason everything is happening, especially in a world where it feels like we have no control anymore. And right now we're, we're going through a lot of transits with Uranus coming in from... Like right now it's in the sign of Taurus. It was in the sign of Aries for a while. Now we're transitioning over. And so the way that we view resources has changed. Because again, Taurus represents resources and material wealth. And also in terms of possessions. Because it is a very possessive sign. A very protective sign. So how we feel the energies of Uranus as a generation is dependent on the sign that our Uranus is in when we were born. So everybody that was born in the sign of Uranus in Aquarius, which was my generation, we all feel Aquarian energy, but from a Uranian perspective. Now, what the hell does that mean again? So with everything when it comes to astrology, and I also say in world and life, it's kind of a dichotomy sometimes. You have the good and the bad, the light and the dark. The positive manifestation of Uranus is striving to be better, striving to make the world a better place. But the negative energies of Uranus are when we get into that headspace of being, well, we're better because we have these forward ideas. We have these ideas that transcend our current time. 
to the point that now we get into a God complex. Or we just want to shake things up for the, sh for the sake of sh like shaking things up to the point that we just become anarchists. And as appealing as the idea sounds to me sometimes, because I'm very angry, it's not fair. The world would cease to exist if we went straight into anarchy. And unfortunately, when stuff like that happens, it's innocent people who get hit in the crossfire. And we can kind of see that with the way that the world has been going in the last 10 years. It's always just been innocent people that are getting harmed. But we've seen so many breakthroughs in the way that we view so many sociopolitical ideas. The gun movement, policing, racial discrimination, not to mention how we view resources with the pandemic, the healthcare system. And so, yes, we're getting into that state of chaos because we have been getting these lightning flashing flashes of like, I don't want to say inspirational, but just change. Change that has always just shocked us to the core. But unfortunately, we've noticed that even when something very dramatic happens, the change to move forward and to be a better place, it takes a long, long time. For example, with George Floyd, we're only just getting started with addressing racial discrimination that is still present within the U.S. And U.S. politics is like, unfortunately, so easy to talk about because it's just so in your face. And while, again, it's commendable and noble that Uranus wants us to be better, we're also very constrained. And so we have to understand that we always have to strive to look forward, that this is the future that is possible. But we have to work towards building that future so that we don't feel hopeless. And so we don't want to be a rebel without a cause when we're channeling in our Uranus into wherever it's placed in our, in our house system, right? Like I could have said with my Uranus in my third house, I am going to go against the school system because it doesn't allow for individuals that are neurodivergent, that have different ways of thinking like I do. When in reality, if I left the system, instead of kind of working with the system and trying to bring in change, and allowing for safe spaces for individuals that are neurodivergent and have different ways of thinking, a chance to bloom, a chance to actually get the same opportunities that other, well, neurotypical individuals get, or individuals that don't have to think as critically. Wait, no, did that sound right? <laughs> for individuals that kind of benefit from the system more so than other individuals that kind of go against it. And so I find that you have the negative individuals, the negative manifestations of the individuals that are within that generation. Say like, well, take my generation, for, for example, the Uranus and Aquarius. And... The Uranus and Aquarius generation and everything a little bit past that 
is more so Gen Z, which is the generation I'm a part of. And so we, we were born and we came into the world around, so this is mainly between 1996 to 2003. That was when the internet was booming. And after that, our world kind of just revolved around the internet. We don't really know a world before the internet. The other individuals before do, but not so much my generation. But because it's in the sign of Aquarius, Aquarius is always about trying to make the world a better place, trying to question the status quo. And as you've probably seen from a lot of individuals from my generation who are in their late teens to early 20s, we have been doing that. Greta Thunberg is a great example where she's fighting for climate change because unfortunately the future that we're going to live in is not great because of climate change and a whole bunch of other things that, well, the previous generations ignored. But some of the more, oh, actually, I do want to talk a bit more about the positives. We're really open and vocal about different labels that can actually be more inclusive. So a lot of us are openly, or like we're very open about our sexuality, our mental health issues, because we realize that having these different labels and having these conversations actually allow for more conversation and to actually create a safer space. But on the other hand, the need to be different can be so strong that we actually get labeled as special snowflakes to the point that we let these labels define us. We're simply trying to be different for the sake of being different when in reality, these labels are meant to help you, not rule you, right? And I find that's, some, like, that's one of the things that my generation does and a lot of the times uh, is kind of a rebel without a cause. So we have the social media warriors that are just attacking everything. Cancel culture was big for my generation. Every time we see something that we think is appropriation without truly understanding what appropriation is, we're canceling somebody. And so that's, again, the negative aspects of our generation, but we also have the positive aspects of our generation. Where we are forward thinkers. We're open to talking about the different nuances that make us and our identity and what makes us different so that it can help us feel more at ease with ourselves and more comfortable in our skin. Now to end off the podcast, I wanted to actually go through Uranus in the different signs. And I think it's a little bit interesting to talk about because every time Uranus was in one of these signs and as I've mentioned, and again, it's what I find super, super fascinating. It marked, depending on which sign it is, that energy kind of changed the world in a different way. And that's what makes it really interesting is that we get to see the energies of that sign in a lot of major historical world events coincided with the energies that like Uranus was in. And it'll make a lot more sense as I go into it. And again, depending on what that generation felt when they came into the world because of the sign that they were in, they give back that same energy back to the world. And Uranus is all about making the world a better place and shaking things up and giving you a different perspective. It's so important 
to have Uranus within society because they are the trendsetters in the sense that they are the first ones to initiate something in order to change as a society, as a species. We need Uranus in our society. Otherwise, we remain stagnant. But too much of it is when we get into that whole God complex, chaos for the sake of chaos, without any true goal. And so when Uranus was in Aries, like I mentioned, it was between 1927 to 1935. And that was when we had the Roaring Twenties. We had the Flappers. We started moving from silent films to talking films. And women were, they were promiscuous in the way that they dressed. They decided to show off their ankles. And there was more of a nightlife. Because Aries is about your own individuality, being a trailblazer, putting yourself first, being spontaneous, living life to the fullest because it makes you feel good. And again, the last time that Uranus was in Aries was 2010 to 2019. So it'll be interesting to see the, in, like, the kids that were born in that time period, how they give back to the world, that Aryan energy, where they'll probably try and push for more individuality. And that's something that I feel like we've shied away from in a lot of collective societies where we try and think for the greater good. Or it might just, the negative manifestation will be where we make everything about ourselves and push forward, even if it's hard to do so and uncomfortable. Uranus and Taurus, the last time that occurred was 1935 to 1942 and that was around the same time like world war one happened and we were getting into the great depression because like wall street crashed so you can see because taurus represents resources material wealth it's a very sensual sign based on it likes to do things based on what it can see feel hear the way that we viewed, well, resources changed because of the Great Depression. Now people, there was so much scarcity going around that people were desperate to just hold on to whatever they could to try and survive. And Tor, um, Uranus and Taurus now in our current world is now in the sign of 20, sorry, it's in the year 2019 to 2026. So right now it's affecting us. So you can see that the way that we view, like, money has changed with the rise of cryptocurrency and also with the pandemic we're kind of in a weird precarious state where a lot of people are starting to lose their jobs because having to shut everything down kind of broke the economy and it will be interesting to see how that continues and how these individuals, when they grow up later on in their life, how they give back to the world. And maybe the focus will be on sustainability. And the way that we, the way that we spread out our resources and wealth may change with these individuals when they grow up and they come into power. And so that's what's so fascinating about it, is that we can see this energy translate into real time. We're born in Uranus and Gemini, which was like around 1942 to 1949. 
a lot of those individuals aren't really alive right now. I think. <laughs> Some of them are. But when that happened, that was when we were trying to come out of World War II. But that's also like the, like the brunt of World War II. So the way that we started being communication changed during that time. We saw an, like a development and innovation in telegrams, phone systems, the computing system with like, I guess like one of the earliest computers with Alan Turing happened during that time as well. And so also individuals during this time, they were the trendsetters for the social movements in the 60s. And they spoke up about social injustices. They were the first ones to speak up. Now, Uranus and Cancer, which was 1948 to 1956, Cancer is about traditions, family, home life. The way that we viewed home life ended up changing during this time. So what it meant to be a traditional housewife. And this was the start of the baby boomer generation as well. And so <laughs> a lot of the times the baby boomers... And this will make more sense because a lot of the baby boomers also come from the Uranus and Leo generation. They like everything to kind of be about themselves. And when they aren't getting things that they want, they can kind of become crybabies. Right? Because uh, they're just so used to making everything about them. But they were the first ones to actually experience a world outside of war for the first time. And because they grew up with like all of these traditional values that cancer sometimes represents, they try and push it onto, well, some of the newer generations, and we're trying to move away from that. Uranus and Leo, another part of the baby boomer generation, Leo is about confidence, about, you know, putting yourself first and shining and putting yourself into the spotlight. So during this time, this is when we saw a rise in, like, culture. Rock and roll came around, came out during this time. And just putting yourself through raw self-expression. And so you can, you can see this generation really like um, trying to make things about themselves, for lack of a better word. And it's very commendable because sometimes we don't like to put ourselves first. But they're good at doing that. And if they're taken away from the spotlight, they get mad. Again, which can be the negative manifestation of Uranus and Leo. Uranus and Virgo, this is 1961 to 1969. A little bit of the baby boomer generation, a little bit of the Gen X. So during this time period, and Virgo represents health, well-being. And also like sometimes with like alternative ways of healing and being of service to others. And healthcare, since I'm in it, big on being of service to others. So during this time, we saw a rise in research, which is also what Virgo represents, when it came to healthcare and medicine. And so a lot of the Gen X individuals, they're now in like their 40s. A lot of them are big, I found at least, but I have that, this limited sample with interacting with this, these individuals, is that a lot of them are really big on trying to find alternative ways of healing. Because they're trying to move away from, I guess, what it is that they grew up with. And try and focus on their healing. And so a lot of my experiences with this, with this generation has been that 
they've always been into alternative ways like Reiki of healing. And so that's how they're giving back. Uranus and Libra, also part of the Gen X generation. This was 1968 to the 70s, 1975. Libra is about love and equality and relationships and beauty. So this is when we had the Stonewall Uprising. And this was the rise in the modern day LGBTQ plus movement. The way that we view love changed. And we started asking for equal rights as any other um, straight individual. My mind blanked the actual term for it. Straight person. My bad. And also, we started having anti-war movements, from what I remember. And Roe versus Wade. And also, not to mention that at that point, um, divorce was more, well, normalized. Uranus and Scorpio from 1974 and 1981. Gen X and a little bit of millennial. Uranus is very intense energy. So during this time, we started seeing the AIDS epidemic. And also, this is when we push for research, which is what Scorpio is known to do. Look underneath the surface. And Uranus and Sag... That's more of like older millennials. So this is where they rejected outdated ways of thinking because Sagittarius is very expansive. They have a different way of thinking. And so that's why a lot of millennials are the first ones to talk about, well, I don't want this nine to five job. I want to talk about my mental health. The things that you guys did for me during my childhood, not so great. And Uranus and Capricorn around 1988 to 1996, a lot of the younger millennials, they're rejecting a lot of traditional work structures because that's what Capricorn represents, structures. And so they are leaving the nine-to-five jobs that their parents tried to force onto them. And so, excuse me, a lot of them are working from home. They're being their own bosses. A lot of entrepreneurship. And Uranus and Aquarius, my generation, I mentioned. Time of the internet. And now they're moving towards creating social change to make the world a better place because we know that it's not sustainable. And Uranus and Pisces. It's about, well, it's 2003 to 2011. So this is when we started seeing a rise in self-help movements. Alternative ways of being and existing. And so it'll be interesting to see these individuals play a role and come into action later on in life and how they bring their spirituality to try and make the world a better place. So I hope all of that made sense because Uranus is a collective planet and it's hard to wrap around, but it's essentially how you stand out. You have a different perspective. And that different perspective has the ability to change the world. That's all I have. Until next time. Bye-bye.